Hey, it's your show, baby. <laughs> I might keep that bit in, Gail. Hello. <laughs> it's uh, Gail and Catherine here. I'm sure you're waiting with bated breath to find out what we're going to talk about today. Yes. Well, in particular, Gail, because you've thrown some recipes at me which look quite delish. Let's just jump in. Hello, listeners. Yes, hello, 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 hello. And uh, for people out there, you know, that are going through a tough time, you know, commiserations because, you know, we all know what you're going through. We're very lucky in this district. Uh, that we haven't had any major problems at, thus far. So for all you listeners, if you are listening from afar, you know, uh, we do feel deeply for you. So having said that, uh, we'll move on. And because this week I've decided this recipe is for um, vegans, vegans. Even well, vegetarians. Oh, vegetarian. If that's, if that's easier for people. Okay. Well, this week we've got uh, beetroot coconut ice, which I thought was quite nice. And I probably looked at it because I've got beetroot growing in the garden at the moment, but I haven't, of course, tried this. But um, do you like roasted beetroot? It's lovely. I'm yeah. sold on roasted beetroot. It's lovely. But this here particularly is um, something that you can do if you can't have some of the other products in what we call normal baking. Um, so a half a cup of raw almonds, 10 dates pitted, obviously, one teaspoon of cold-pressed coconut oil, and I presume that's, um, you know, you can melt it if it's solid in the jar because of the, you know, because it's cold, Uh, and a pinch of flaked sea salt. Now, this is the base for this particular coconut ice. So that is your base. So we'll move on now to the actual coconut ice, and then I'll tell you in the method what we're doing. So one medium beetroot raw, uh, peeled and chopped, two cups of desiccated coconut, four tablespoons of cold-pressed coconut oil melted, as I said previously, six tablespoons of rice malt syrup, or a sweetener of your choice. Now, I'm not sure what would replace that if you were not using the uh, the rice malt syrup. Maybe maple syrup? Yeah. maple. Oh, good thinking. Yeah, maple syrup. I was thinking, oh, what could you use? Maple syrup. Good thinking, Catherine. And three quarters of a cup of almond milk. And, of course, a pinch of flaked sea salt. Now, the preparation for this is if you've got a good food processor, this is going to get thrashed for this recipe. (laughs) So I hope you've got a good one. And we're going to blitz everything. So place all the base ingredients, which is one, two, three, four ingredients that I gave you to start with, in a food processor and blend until well combined. Now, divide the mixture up into your mould. So, and I've um, it suggests a silicone mould because this is going in the freezer. So I'm not sure. You probably could use um, like a microwave dish or some sort of plastic dish because it's not entering the oven, it's entering yeah. your freezer. So you're actually putting that base, as I call it, um, and using the back of a teaspoon or a larger spoon and your fingers, as we do with other baking, just press the base down, you know, the mixture down until it's nice and firm and, uh, you know, it doesn't look like rolling hills, you know, <laughs> sort of like make sure it's flat and even. So, and then it says, poke the top with a fork and place into the freezer. Now, I'm not quite sure why you're poking it with a fork because you're not actually going to see any decoration on this because it's going to be covered, but it might be just to let some air in or something like that. And um, you put that in your freezer while you're making the coconut ice layer. So 
you know, we're going to be using the uh, the processor again. Now you're placing all those coconut ice ingredients into the food processor and blend until well combined and truly well combined. So distribute evenly into the mould, so you're taking it out of the freezer, and use your fingers or the back of a teaspoon again just to make sure that that's going over that base nice and evenly and you're going to let that set overnight in the freezer okay it doesn't say anything about covering it but mm. um i always sort of feel that you need to cover stuff i always put it in like if i've got a large you know, yeah. sort of plastic bag or something i ca- I put it in the bag yeah i, I would freezer. do that catherine yeah. yeah i'd do that listen to what catherine says <laughs> and uh put it in a in a bag because i just sort of feel about freezer burn i hate sort yeah. of things getting freezer so in that plastic bag and then um if you let it sit overnight in the freezer and then if you're going to be serving it um just take it out of the freezer just a little bit sooner maybe five or ten minutes just so that it hasn't got that sort of like freezer chill on it. it just needs to just thaw a little bit and uh and it makes it easier to remove too as well when you're cutting it and shred it with um coconut you know put the shredded coconut over it and enjoy now this can keep in a sealed container in the fridge or freezer for up to three days so there you are this is the beetroot coconut ice that's yummy and uh, nice color on it well i think so too Catherine. you know surely it's going to turn out pink surely yeah with beetroot yeah, surely it will be yeah, yeah for sure yeah so that's it so making that sure delish. that your processor really blitzes this this lot because um it it sort of needs to be like the coconut ice, yes doesn't yeah. it? Nice. yes and Ooh. to believe it or not now i can't remember who gave me this recipe but I've actually tasted it. I tasted a slither of it, and it was very nice. And I, for the love of Mike, you know, not the not the one at the movies at the moment, but you know, the um, I just can't think who who had actually made it and let me have a slice. But it was very nice. It was very nice. So there you are. Have a go. Right. I'm going to give that one a go. Myself. Well, I, 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 yeah, well, I was thinking of you, yeah, Catherine, when I did this. Mm. I definitely was thinking of you because I thought that would be right up your alley. It is. This one, I think, this next one is right up your alley. I know why you've picked it. Go on, tell people what this is. Well, I'm from Welsh Heritage. So when I saw this uh, recipe for Welsh rabbit, I just thought, yes, no, the listeners are going to listen to this, and Welsh rabbit is lovely. And I'm presuming that this is the really traditional way to do Welsh rabbit. Um, So I'm going to give it to you, but I hope you've got some beer in the fridge because (laughs) this is what it actually needs. And uh, I always sort of steered away from cooking with beer because of the taste of it. And I always sort of think, oh, the taste might come out, you know, and I don't mind a glass of beer on a cold day, but um, I'm not sure whether I have it in cooking. Mm. I think it sort of does something to it, the cooking anyway. But this recipe, uh, you do have um, a 100 mils of beer. So I think a can's about 300. So you can drink the rest. <laughs> and um, basically one onion finely chopped, one tablespoon of mustard. Now that doesn't say prepared mustard. It says one tablespoon of mustard. So I'm not sure whether that's the mustard powder, but maybe it doesn't make any a difference. tablespoon, I'd go with probably the stuff that's already made. Yeah, I think so too. I think they should have put prepared mustard. Yeah, hey. otherwise we're going to knock people's socks off. No, well, that's right. One tablespoon of that sort of um, powdered mustard yeah. is quite Oof. a bit, isn't it? Yeah. So let's just, um, you know, 
um, say, prepared mustard for this one, one tablespoon. One and a half cups of cheddar cheese. Now, that can be any cheese that you like, aged or otherwise, grated. And three egg yolks, a pinch of cayenne pepper. And, of course, you need your lovely crusty bread to to put this um, Welsh rabbit on. So pour the beer into the saucepan. And while you're doing that, you can drink the rest. And bring to the boil. Simmer the onion in the beer for five minutes or until the beer is reduced by half. So you're slow, slowly reducing it as you do a, um, you know, and other juicy type things. Um, now stir in the mustard and cheese, and when the mixture is hot, remove the saucepan from the heat and stir in the egg yolks. Now you'll have to do that fairly quickly because you don't want them to sort of, you know, solidify while you, you know, just do. Put them in quickly and give them a good rough stir. And then you're, uh, you've already toasted and buttered the bread and lay it on an oven tray and spread with the cheese mixture and grill until brown. And I love this sort of thing. So I've made, you know, a lot of, well, not truly Welsh rabbit, obviously, but I have done this type of thing and I love it. I do love it. So what it'll be like with the beer in it, I don't know, Catherine. I think beer and cheese go well. Really oh, do they? Well, I'm yeah. pretty sure. Yeah. For, yeah. For, for, for pre-dinner drinks or something <laughs> like that. But but anyway, it'll be interesting to try it out. And uh, please do. And uh, if you feel like putting your fingers on the email, just let us know how it went. And no rabbits were harmed in the making of this <laughs> recipe. There's no rabbits in there at all. Yeah, well, actually, isn't that weird? Yeah. Why is it called Welsh rabbit? So there might be some Welsh people out there that might give us the answer to that, Catherine. But yeah, Welsh rabbit. Yes, and um, mm, interesting. Interesting. Well, yes. let's play a song while people think about that and put their beer in the fridge. Yes, okay. Uh, while they're getting ready to make the Welsh rabbit. Okay. <laughs> Unusual to be loved by anyone. It's not unusual to have fun with anyone. But when I see you hanging about with anyone, it's not unusual to see me cry. I wanna die. It's not unusual to go out at any time. But when I see you out and about, it's such a crime If you should ever want to be loved by anyone It's not unusual, it happens every day No matter what you say You'll find it happens all the time Love will never do what you want to do It's not unusual to be mad with anyone It's not unusual to be sad with anyone But if I ever find that you've changed at any time It's not unusual to find that I'm in love with you Oh, 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 o
Gale, that's the only thing I can think of that was Welsh and appropriate bit of Tom Jones. That's great. Yeah, I can just see him on the stage, you know, wiggling those hips and, um, you know. Do you know, I had a friend of mine that looked a lot like Tom Jones. Oh. First time I met him, I said, have you been told a lot that you look like Tom Jones? And he said, "Mm, it's not unusual. Oh, boom, Tish. It's actually a true story. Um, boom, 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 boom. And people boom. do use that as a joke, but it really did yeah. look like Tom Jones. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah, well. And look, he was Welsh. Oh, 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 well, obviously, must have been. Now, we're going to start off with this um, half, Catherine, with Greek semolina cake. Have you been to Greek? I certainly Greece? have. The Greek have, islands, yes. Have you? And yeah, my friend has too. She loved it. Beautiful. She said she'd go back if she had the opportunity. Absolutely would I too. Oh, oh yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah, I never I never got there, but uh, she said it was wonderful. So there you are. So this is Greek semolina cake, and the ingredients for this cake is six eggs, uh, which have gone up in price, I've, I've noted, uh, 250 grams of um, unsalted soft butter, but, you know, we don't get hooked on too much of that. If you can't have too much salt, that's the butter for you. But if you've got salted butter, I'm sure it won't make any difference. Two teaspoons of baking powder, one cup of sugar, one cup of plain flour, one cup of semolina, one cup of rough, roughly chopped walnuts, one teaspoon of orange peel, uh, and that is the actually the cake ingredients. Now, at the end of this, when the, the cake is baked, we have a syrup that's going to go over it. Yeah. So, yum, yeah, yum, all right. So this is uh, two and a half cups of water for the syrup for this, one and a half cups of sugar, a pinch of cloves, and I'd go very light because I sort of... They're pretty strong, aren't they? They're pretty strong. So, you know, just be very careful with that. You don't want them overpowering anything. And one tablespoon of lemon juice. Now, you can make the syrup while you, you know, sort of um, before you're going to make the cake. And uh, because, you know, it'll have cooled down a bit. So make the syrup by um, putting water and sugar in a heavy base saucepan and stir until the sugar is dissolved. Now, add the cloves, or very minimal cloves, and simmer for 10 to 12 minutes. And finally, add the lemon juice and allow that to cool completely. So it's very good if you're actually making this before you attempt to make the cake. So very simple syrup. In a separate bowl, beat the butter and sugar until it becomes creamy and white. Well, creamy, I think, is just lovely. But I suppose if you beat it long enough, it does turn very pale. Now, I wouldn't call it white, but I know I've actually forgotten about beating something and I went and I thought, whoa, that's increased in volume and it's uh, very pale, so that's good. Uh, and then add the eggs one at a time, beating between each egg. And please, because it's six eggs, Catherine, we do the egg test, you know, sort of like breaking it into a little bowl first oh, to yes. make sure that it's not off. Yeah, and, um, and you don't get any shell in there. Oh, just a little shell you can get out with a teaspoon, but if you put a rotten one in oh, yeah. and you've already, you, you're done, just mm. you know, throw it out to the birds. Well, I suppose I'd eat it. And anyway, but I always do that when I'm making something. Quiches or anything like that, if it's got several eggs in it, I always break them into a little bowl first, quite seriously, because it's a shame if, you, if you're going to ruin anything. So beating um, the mixture between each egg that you put in. Mix the flour and baking powder and add to the butter mix. 
um, and then add the semolina, of course, because that's what the name of the cake is, and walnuts and the orange peel. So just, you know, make sure that you just stir that in nicely. And we're not putting that into the mixer, Catherine. We're just going to stir that with a big spoon because everything else has been beaten lovely. Ah. Nice. So we'll just fold that into that. Mm. So now have a uh, a twenty six centimeter cake. They're always specific about measurements, uh, and put the the cake mixture into this. But please don't forget to put the baking paper in, or you know, sort of grease it. But I I sometimes what I do is grease the tin because the baking paper seems to stick to the. Oh, you yeah. know, so that because sometimes you know how you get the little curls that come up and yes. you're sort of trying to press them down and take the crinkles out. And all the paper comes That's up. That's right, and... exactly. We're both experienced at this. And basically you really do I just give it a little spray and uh, then make sure that the baking paper does stick to it and it and it's great. No worries, you know that your cake's gonna come out. And you're um placing that cake in a preheated oven at one eighty degrees. Uh, cooking it till it's nice and golden in colour for about 30 minutes. But the skewer test, we always talk about the skewer test, please, you know, just put that skewer in. If it comes out clean, well, obviously, it's ready to come out of the oven. So when the cake is cooked, Catherine, you are pouring the cold syrup over it in the tin and do not remove from the tin until the cake is cold and the syrup has dissolved into that cake. Sounds divine. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> She's going to be a busy girl, this girl. Yeah, rolling her eyes and thinking, that's oh, yes, so this is delicious. another one I'm going to make. But, uh, yeah, so that's it. Beautiful. It sounds lovely. And uh, with the semolina in it, it's quite different. Yeah. Yeah, sort of like a more coarse flour, I suppose you could liken it to. Really, sure. couldn't Actually, you? I went to find semolina flour, I beg your pardon, up oh. here. Why can I? Couldn't yeah. find it. Well, I think semolina would be in the um, semolina itself would be in the breakfast cereal section. Would it? Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. So go yeah, in next. Look there. And I think some people do use it as a breakfast cereal. Oh, there yeah. you go. Semolina. Yeah. I'm, I'm not talking about the flour, but semolina itself. Yeah. Which is sort of like quite grainy. Okay. Not as fine as flour, but um, yeah. So you might find it there, Catherine. Okay, I'll give it a yeah, go. Yeah, give it oh, a go and tips, have a look. The things you learn from Gail on a <laughs> weekly basis. I love it. I love it. <laughs> right. So we're leaving Greek, uh, Greece, the Greek islands now, and we're moving on to uh, another coconut uh, recipe. We're on a bit of a coconut roll this morning. Uh, coconut onion roti. And Yum. Um, yes. And this is, you know, really delicious. You can have them on your own, on their own, or you can, you know, have them with soups. But um, well, the weather's changed a little bit, so the the soup might be on the menu for some of you. But this is nice and easy. It's one and a half cups of uh, desiccated coconut, two cups of plain flour, three quarters of a teaspoon of salt, two eggs, a half a cup of finely chopped onion, and now this is cooked. Uh, an oil till soft. So you're cooking this onion. Normally you just throw in your chopped onion, don't yeah. you? But you're cooking this before you actually um, are actually cooking your roti as such. And about three tablespoons of water to make a stiff dough. And, um, you know, just like making a pastry, really, just be very careful uh, when you're adding the water because, you know, if you overdo it, well, you're done. 
Yeah. You know, the, the, it's no good adding more flour and all this sort of thing. It's just uh, just be quite mindful about that. Just be very, you know, light on the water and just keep mixing it in. So for the method, we're going to go combine the coconut, flour and salt in a large bowl. Make a well in the middle and mix in the eggs. Cooked onion and enough water to make that firm dough. So just, you know, a tablespoon, mix it through. Oh, another tablespoon. Just see how it goes. Now, mix well, then knead about 20 times. And knead's good therapy, you know. Mm. You get it there on the board and you're just kneading it. No, it's just lovely. I really quite like doing that when I'm making pizza dough or something like that. Oh, it's really just, just to get your hands in that dough and roll it. So about 20 times just to make it nice and pliable. Now then divide the dough in half and roll each piece into a log and cut each log roughly into 20 pieces. Now they say that, but, you know, I just do my own thing when it comes to that. <laughs> and uh, if you don't get 20 pieces, well, hard luck. But you've got to roll it out very thinly. And yeah. that's what roti bread is, yes, isn't it, yeah. um, Catherine? You just roll it out really, really thinly. and um, Or if you wanted to, you could use a cookie cutter, but... If I'm having a roti, I just want it as big as a bread and butter plate, not a <laughs> cookie cutter. So basically, I would be doing it, you know, with depending on what round you get out of each, you know, half. So, and then it says heat a, a, a um, very heavy saucepan, but I notice it doesn't say put any oil in. Um, so is that dry frying or something? Is that what roti be. bread, or you could spray it, I suppose. I'd spray it. I'd always put oil in it for roti. Yeah. Every time I've had roti, it, it tastes a little bit yeah, like it's got a bit I don't oil. know whether it's just something that's been omitted out of this particular recipe, but I looked at it and I thought, oh, mm. there's no oil or, or grease in this pan. It says a heavy base pan, so yeah. that's usually pretty good when it's heating up. But um, what have we got in the recipe that represents a bit of grease? No, Mind nothing you because, really. Yeah, maybe because it is bread, maybe it doesn't need it. But oh, you know what? You could try it without the oil. And then yeah, if it and doesn't work, well, just grab the oil. That's exactly right. So basically, and let us know. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, um, yeah, I think to me it would just make it sort of taste a little bit better too. But um, yeah, so that's your um, coconut onion roti. Mm. It's be quite sort of different, Yum. and um, you might get quite a few out of that mixture actually. Well, if you're dividing into twenty, well, if you are, and each but, log. If yeah. You've got two. That's forty pieces. Yeah, I know. I thought that was a bit extreme, actually, for yeah. the amount of uh, flour. I, I think and that you're going to be. I think it, uh, you get twenty out of this mixture, yeah, maybe so. for the whole mixture. Yeah, and that's your idea, cutting it in half and you know doing it into a log. But uh, you can, you know, use your own method of how you're going to, you know, make it into roll it out thinly and um, make your own rotis. Yeah. Do so, you know that would go nice with uh, if you've had zucchini that's turned into marrow accidentally in the garden, like myself? Oh. Because they sneakily hide and then all of a do. sudden you're like, what is that enormous vegetable? I could have bought you one this oh, morning. Oh, no, I've got plenty. Oh, oh okay. And I've been making a, a oh, really mild, lovely mild curry and adding in like a mango chutney as well in the curry. So it's a little bit sweet and a little bit sour at the same time. Oh. And a roti with that. With the mango, just chop it up, throw it in with some tomatoes that are also in the garden. Oh. A bit of onion. And oh. just cook it up for about 15 minutes with loads of spices. Yum. It's really delicious. Maybe a bit wow. I might have to talk to you after we've finished mm. because um, I've got that problem. Ah. And I just thought, what am I going to do with it? Yeah, Put it I'll in the compost bin. No, I make a curry out of it. 
Ah, mm. so oh, well, we'll be having a chat about that because yeah. I hate seeing things go to waste out of the garden, and they do like um, they do just grow before your eyes yes. practically. Yep, yeah, they do. Mm. Yeah, a Sri Lankan friend of mine taught me that. Oh, okay. Is that similar to camel camel? Would you do that with camel camel? I don't know. What's that? It's like a similar to a zucchini, but it's round and uh, can grow quite big. Ah. and oh, they're meant to be eaten small, but they do grow like, like you say before. Yes, but ah. if it gets a, a bit, bit large, yeah, and you could probably do the same with that actually because it's quite. See, zucchini's quite water based, isn't yes. it? You got to wrap it up when you um, grate it. Well, I do anyway. Squeeze yeah. it in a tea towel. Yeah. So I think this kummel kummel would do the same. It's quite sort of water based, really. Yeah. Hey, let oh, us know. Let us know what you're doing with your leftover or your large marrows or. Mm. Mm. Overgrown vegetables. Yeah, that's, that's right. I, I think it's just a shame. I was thinking about taking them somewhere and just dropping them off somewhere. <laughs> so I'd think that anybody, just if you want them, take them. But why yeah. not? Mm. Gail, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been lovely again. And yes. now I'm all, getting, all excited about cooking again over the weekend. I'll we'll be hunting something out, Ooh. I'm sure. <laughs> we'll speak to you next nice, time. Nice, Catherine. This program was made with assistance from New Zealand on air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.org.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand on air.